Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Yelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. And this is our 100th official episode. <laughs> Dude, that's so crazy to finally say. Even during our, our pre-recording, I, I didn't say the word 100. We, we couldn't jinx it. You know yeah, what I mean? We like, couldn't jinx it. The, <laughs> I don't know what that like would involve. But. For some reason, like it's it's felt like since we were at episodes like 60 that like that we were so close to 100. So like... After I think this is this is now four years we've been doing it since we're we're now freshmen freshmen in college and we started this Dude. as like soft uh, uh, like, about well, to enter sophomore uh, year yeah about wow. to enter sophomore year so three years of high school and now a year in college um I think this is our fourth NBA season doing it that's insane it's it's a little ridiculous like how how long how long this has like, gone on for like and i mean that in a, in a very good way like like we're nineteen bro that's like yeah it's a fifth of our life <laughs> it's a the thing is like. We made it to 100 episodes, and that doesn't mean that, like, anything changes. It's just, like, a huge sense of accomplishment for both of us because we've, like I said, like, we felt so close to 100 episodes for forever. And our society um, uses the base 10 system, so <laughs> that's clutch. Also, also true. Um, and, like, also, I, I think, like, going back to the sense of accomplishment, like, we do this, I think, like, for ourselves first and foremost. Like, yeah. huge shout-out if you're here listening to podcasts. Like, we really appreciate it. Like, there's a reason we all post this on social media or whatever. It's not like we just hold on to it and like go back and listen to it for us but no like we we sit down and we record this because it's what we love doing and so if like any viewership any any like uh anything that comes out of this besides that is a bonus but like we do it because we're like two best friends who like talking about the nba and yeah, so right. like why not do it in front of the microphone dude yeah bro it's so crazy that yeah like this like, is this has been like the best part of my, of my week for like four years and like i don't know this it, it feels very gratifying exactly to make it that far and like also, the, the the just being able to say we did a hundred episodes represents like so much more. I guess like like we we've sat down for you know like this if an episode's an hour like we we do like notes before it. we go yeah. watch the games like you have to come commute over to my apartment to do this like we set aside part of like pretty much every week to do this episode so that's like a that's a ton of of time of like commitment and motivation and like sacrifice and like just like a positive attitude it takes to do all of that but like out of it we've both grown a lot i think like personally and in just like our knowledge yeah. of the game and like this is something that i think both of us are hoping to kind of do professionally whether it's like specifically in like a podcast or in like media or like otherwise working in the nba like this has really been like the jumping off point for what will hopefully be like a lifetime of work in in around the around this league um but i want to sort of like i want to say like jj reddick said on his podcast a few weeks ago, he, they did a live show, him and Tommy Alter, and he said, like, you can't have a podcast without the listeners. And so, first of all, like, that's kind of true. Like, the reason yeah. we post it for the listeners, like, so shout out, shout out to the listeners, especially to to our friends and family, whoever's been listening, like, from the beginning. Um, the support keeps us going, for sure. Yeah. But, at the same time, like, we can't have a, we can't have listeners that doing the podcast. So, like, <laughs> we're here to stay like like we're gonna keep doing it so like yeah. hopefully we'll continue to have listeners just because like we're gonna keep podcasting cool. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so 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 uh so thanks for thanks for sticking with us we just yeah. keep, keep keep this thing going yeah for real thanks for thanks for keeping along with the journey <laughs> uh let's get into content why not dude um so we're gonna talk about a few teams around the league we're almost 20 games into the season right now so we have um somewhat of a good sense of what's going on in the league before we even get into any specific team I think personally, as I was looking through the standings and looking through like current win streaks and losing streaks, 
I noticed that things are sort of evening out around the league. There, there are like a few anomalies that we'll talk about um, that the Warriors are so good or the Bulls are very good that you maybe didn't expect that. But um, teams that seem to have been higher than they should have been and teams that team that seem to have been lower than they should have been. A lot of them are evening out. Like the Nets were in the middle for a while. Um, they've gone on a win streak to the top of the conference. The Bucks were like bad and they just been on a four game win streak. So they're good. Same thing with the Celtics, the Hawks, uh, and even the trailblazers mm-hmm. and the Cavs and the nuggets. I say nuggets should be bad given that like they're missing their second and third best player. Um, they were near the top of the conferences and now they're falling back down to earth, but still there are some few anomalies that we want to talk about. Um, and even just, even if it's not anomaly and they're supposed to be good, we want to talk about them too. The the one thing I'll add to that is like we're nearing the point of the season where the preseason rankings for like how good teams should be are no longer a better indicator than how the end of season standings are going to look than the way the standings look. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we're almost, as you pointed out before we started the episode, we're almost a quarter of the way through the season. Like where most teams have played like about seventeen games. Like it's an eighty-two game season. At twenty games, that's that's a quarter of the way through. So like. We're nearing the point where the best indicator for how the Saints are going to look at the end of the year is just how they look right now. Um, I wouldn't say that we're quite there because there's still a lot of shit that's going on. I mean, you, you talked about the Bucks. Like the Bucks are ten and eight right now, which puts them at seventh in the East, tied with the Knicks. Um, or they're tied four sixth, I guess, but but they're they're ranked one lower at seventh for whatever reason. But like they're also they've also been missing like three or four starters almost every game they've played. Yeah. Like Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton and Dante DiVincenzo and Drew Holiday, like everybody's missed time basically except for Giannis. So like like you said, like things are going to continue to even themselves out. But at some point we start we stop like being like oh small sample size it's just the beginning of the season and we have to start looking at the Chicago Bulls being a top three seed and be like okay this is for real. Yeah, um, the first thing I want to talk about is the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you wanted to talk about a certain aspect of this, but in general, they have the longest win streak in the NBA right now with 13 in a row, Yeah, um, which is only the, the second longest streak in the NBA behind 15 losses in a row by the Houston Rockets, <laughs> which is great. Um, but yeah, the Phoenix Suns, they, they came out looking a little lethargic at one and three, mm-hmm. um, and since then, they've just turned it on. Like I, They've been a, like a very well-oiled machine, picking up from last year's finals run, um, very impressive, honestly. Part of the reason I wanted to bring them up is just, like, I don't think they're getting a lot of attention right now. Like, yeah, like how are they on a 13-game winning streak, and nobody can stop talking about the Warriors, but, like, nobody bothers to mention the Suns? Like, I get it. They were in the finals last year. They're not that interesting, per se, just because, like, they were at the top of the West, the top of the league last season. They are this season. It's kind of expected. And they're probably a pretty safe prediction to, like, make it back close to the finals again this season. So, like, I understand the the urge to just be like yeah the Suns will be the Suns but I do think it's like appreciate greatness a little bit one of, one of those things like Chris Paul does not have that long left in the NBA he's, and he's like you know the, the the second best player probably on on one of the best teams in the NBA on a team on a 13 game win streak so like if as the media sort of glosses over how good the Suns are right now just because they've been good for the last this is their second season being really good and because they already got all that hype after the bubble and like as Devin Booker you know like had this coming out party like don't don't look over the fact like this is still a really impressive thing they're doing and Zach Zach Lowe phrased it which is which I thought was a really interesting way of putting it is like nobody's interested in their on-court stuff especially with the Robert Sarver stuff which so Robert Sarver's their the son's owner like the only the only coverage the sons have gotten over the last three weeks or whatever was because Robert Sarver had all these 
allegations as basically just being like a like awful terrible human. person yeah <laughs> and like like not the kind of guy you want to work for like that's the only coverage they've got but 13 game win streak with DeAndre not playing for for parts of it Devin Booker and in uh Chris Paul are both still kind of in shooting slums especially from three-point range um but they're rolling like don't overlook the fact that as we talk about the central contenders this year like the Suns belong in that category firmly yeah, I, I I honestly agree. I don't even have that much to say besides that, um, but shout out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, the other team at the top of the West is Golden State Warriors. You know, I gotta I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get my Oakland. I gotta get my Oakland Steph Curry jersey out here. Um, the fact that Clay Thompson is not back and they're at the top of the Western Conference is is so unbelievable. It's scary and, for the rest of the league. I remember honestly. in in the preseason rankings, I had them as like third or fourth in the West. I think I had them at fourth. Um, and that was like a little bit of a hot take. I, th- I probably them as like sixth or seventh, yeah. and was like, yeah, like, yeah, okay. Um, so with the with them, like <laughs> one, I I am biased here. I just like love watching the Warriors play and always have. Yeah. Um. Well, <laughs> like I don't think Steph Curry has even necessarily changed. I believe he's actually shooting more threes per game this year. I have that. I have that in the notes. Yeah, keep oh, going though. Oh, I should know that. <laughs> um, but. Outside of that, it's kind of just like business as usual for yeah, him yeah. in particular, um, because you know he had an amazing season last year, um, and I would say he's probably the front runner for MVP. Mm-hmm. But it's just the guys around him are just better at making you pay for like doubling Steph Curry. Andrew Wiggins is silently averaging like seventeen and playing pretty good defense yeah. and moving without the ball compared to you know the rest of his career. Jordan Poole right now is averaging seventeen or eighteen, and and like people were expecting that he would be a most improved candidate, but like. Dude, like eight, 18 points per yeah, game. Like that's that makes you like <laughs> like this this like the maybe the second leading scorer on the best team in the league. Like yeah, who would have thought that was Jordan Fool? Mm-hmm. Like for the past that's few, huge. No, yeah, yeah. Like usually you think like you think oh yeah like you know all NBA player, but mm-hmm. um, and honestly I'm just I'm so hyped. I'm here for it. I hope it continues. Yeah, I, that, Dude, and I don't see any, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't. But going back going back to the three point shooting thing you mentioned. Um, right now, Steph is shooting is 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 his three point attempts are sitting at thirteen point one per game. His makes at five point four, um, both of which are slightly above his clips from last year. But obviously, he had a shortened season. He missed a lot of last season, so he didn't. He led the league in scoring, highest you know point average of his career. But he didn't break break his three point record of four hundred two on the season from 2015-2016 because he didn't play enough games. But from that season. 2015-2016, he made 5.1 threes per game and shot 11.2. So he's shooting almost uh, two full th- more three-point att- attempts per game, and he's making 0.3 more. Yeah, which is I so he's say, on he, pace to break yeah. the record. He's honestly being a little bit like I, if you do check the numbers, he's low key having like one of the least efficient seasons of his entire career. Um, but you know, like it's Steph Curry, so he's like one of the most efficient players ever. So yeah, but, it's still not bad efficiency, but relative to him, I feel like people actually aren't talking about about the fact that it's like his lowest field goal percentage since like I don't know, like since twenty thirteen or something. Um, but shooting his effective field goal percentage almost sixty, like that's that's kind of nuts. Um, and like that's obviously he, effective he, field goal percentage accounts for three pointers being worth more than two, so he's the kind of player who's going to benefit from that. But like, but again, that that's that's his worst in in like a full year since twenty seventeen. And before that, since 2014, it's just notable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, it's it's not by a lot though. I guess yeah. I'm saying like you're not wrong, but also like he's shooting the highest volume of his yeah, career. Yeah. So like yeah. with the highest volume of his career, 
<laughs> he's shooting a slightly lower effective field goal percentage, and the Warriors are 15 and two. So like, I'm not worried about the efficiency. Yeah. And nor do I think that you should be as as a, as a serious Steph Curry and Warriors guy. I, I think a reason that it's surprising is because personally, because the I, I believe that the because the Warriors system is so complex, mm-hmm. like they have like probably the most off ball screens in the league, the most yeah. off ball cutting in the league. Um, Miami Heat are up there yeah, too. Yeah, Miami but... Heat are up there too. There's a certain like waiting time for some new players that they have to get integrated with the with a system. That's a reason why Kelly Oubre was mm-hmm. maybe the worst player in the league for the first twenty games of last year with the Warriors because he was new. Worst player in the league. I mean, like, he was bad. Pr- production, yeah. pr- production wise, production wise, like in terms of volume and stuff, um, he just like wasn't getting it. And near mm-hmm. near the end of the year, he did. Um, but the reason that this isn't really the case with the Warriors is because most of their role players, whether it be Jordan Poole, uh, Juan Toscana Anderson, even someone who's quote unquote new is Andre Iguodala, who's yeah. has been there for for years in the past. Mm-hmm. They don't need that waiting time because they're they're homegrown. Yeah, they've they've already been in the system. No, exactly. I mean, I think when you play a group of guys around Steph Curry that just like know how to play around Steph Curry, that know the Steve Kerr system, like. That's a really hard team to beat. It almost, it almost like doesn't actually matter what the names on the back of the jerseys are. It's like if you've got four guys who just like understand how to like, like they've found, they have found a group of guys who understand how to play around Steph Curry. So like, at some point, it's like, how have they sustained this thing for so long of like Steph Curry and like other people, even with like, you know, like Clay Thompson even playing right now. Um, obviously, Draymond's been a, a staple, but like. The rest of the the rest of the team is like almost entirely different than it was even on like their championship teams. Yeah. From like 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 starting in like 2013 or whatever, um, when like Steph Curry was really like rising to the to the top of the league. Like, this is not the same roster, but it's just like they've got this formula down like to a science. Um, yeah, they do. And it's just like beautiful. The way like working in college basketball now, like one of the things that that, that we talk about is that like. The NBA, one of the big differences is that, like, players come down and they understand the set. So there's not as much, like, you call out the play and then you get into it. It's just, like, players recognize, okay, here's the set we're in, and now we're going to just, like, freestyle out of it. That that happens more in the NBA. Exactly, yeah. Whereas college, we're college, high school, but basically any level below the NBA, there's, there's going to be more, like, okay, now we're setting up, like, 32 ice, like, like whatever, you know, like, whatever yeah. it is. Like, but... In the NBA, like like Steph Curry, if Steph Curry, if, you know, okay, so Draymond Green brings the ball on the court. Steph Curry's in the left corner. Everybody's gonna know, like, okay, somebody's gonna set a pin down for Steph. He's gonna come off and he's gonna get it. Then somebody else is gonna do. Like, people just understand that, like, this is this kind of stuff that's gonna happen off the ball when this guy has it or when I'm in this spot. And they've just got it down, so like they all know what each other are gonna do, and most importantly, what Steph is gonna do, so that like. They're just flowing out there. And it's just yeah. like, like you said, like it's a beautiful thing to watch because you'll be watching a possession. There'll be six off-ball screens. Nobody's not yeah. moving. And it's just like, how do they end up with Steph shooting 13 threes a game? Is because like he never stops running. Like, he nev- and like he's always going to get open. <laughs> the One of the hardest defensive jobs in the league has to be guarding Steph Curry off-ball. It's, it's almost like the only thing that I can compare it to is like Clippers' J.J. Redick. When I would yeah. just see clips of him just like sprinting for 18 seconds out of the shot clock and then coming off of three different screens, it's just like 
and I think the only other thing is like Duncan Robinson. I've seen some Im- mm-hmm. images like how you can trick your guy into like lulling him asleep for half a second and yeah. then just like go from zero to a hundred really really quick and get low off the screen. It it's I I would not want that job. No, no. I mean, I know Isaac Okoro was getting absolutely smoked the other day. Uh, by Steph Curry, like mm-hmm. I felt so bad for that. I'm like, oh my god, this is like this second year player who's supposed to be a defensive guy, and Steph Curry's just like making him literally miss without the ball. Yeah, he's like, because there are two screens, and Steph will go one way, and so he'll hedge the screen, and then he'll just go the other way, or there there will be an elevator screen that no one realizes until mm-hmm. Steph Curry literally already has the ball. The one of the, there was, I think it was on the JJ Redick podcast, so it's funny that you mentioned him. And he had Drew Holiday on, and I think Drew Holiday. They, they were talking about guarding Steph Curry because I think I don't know if Drew Holiday brought him up or if JJ Redick brought him up, but they were talking about like the hardest players in the league to guard. And so obviously Steph Curry's name comes up, and um, and it was the idea that like Drew Holiday was saying that basically Steph Curry has more gravity off the ball than on it. Like you are more scared when you're guarding Steph Curry of how he's going to get the ball than what he's going to do when he has it. Because, like... That's awesome. Because he's so dangerous just in the position of, like, I can run anywhere right now, and my guys have got me with an off-ball screen that's going to deck you. Like, Yeah. And and there was one play that I saw. Like, I, I have the clip saved that there were, that Draymond Green was doing, like, a was, was going to run, like, a dribble handoff. Somebody sets a screen for Steph Curry from the corner, and he's, like, running up along the perimeter, and... I think it was Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges was was guarding Draymond Green, and they go. To, he go, he goes to like, he like hesitates for a second, like as if he's gonna pick up his dribble and hand the ball off to Steph Curry. Miles Bridges like fully hops off oh, and, and hedges on the Steph screen, and Draymond Green just keeps going, like just turns and dribbles at the basket and just walks walks for the dunk because like, coming off the dribble handoff. Both Steph's defender and Draymond's defender just collapse on him. So they're double teaming him, and he doesn't even have the ball yet. And Draymond Green just walks to the basket. That's both a heads-up play from Draymond and a testament to Steph Curry's gravity. So like, that's the kind of thing. So I know people, some Warriors fans have questioned that like, Luca, Luca. I don't have the stat. Like I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Zach Lowe says them enough that I remember that Luka Doncic was running like 75 pick and rolls per game. I'm sorry, per, per 100 possessions. And, and Steph Curry's running, like, 25. <laughs> and so, if, if he's like, you're like, okay, run more pick and roll. But, like, you don't need to run more pick yeah. and roll for Steph. So, if you're if you're stressing about that, like, keep in mind, Steph Curry is shooting the most three-point attempts of his career. Like, he's he's making it work. Like, don't... I don't. I don't think you. I don't think you mess with the Steve Kerr system when you're 15 and 2, even if it looks bad that he's not running a lot of pick and roll. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> uh, anyways, let's move on to the Sacramento Kings. Uh, they fired Luke Walton, I believe, yesterday, maybe two days ago. Yeah. I think most people can agree that this had to be done. They, under him, like, I think he was there for, like, what, two years, maybe three, um, after coaching the, the Lakers beforehand. <laughs> and, and the best stat of all is, is after, I, I think, I think this might have been his fourth season, uh, Kenny Beecher pointed out that oh my God, I know he's say. the he is the second most career wins in Kings history, like out of coaches, like the second most. That's insane. How? Come on now. Who is it behind? I think it might be behind George Carr. No, but he was from the. I don't even know. How is that possible? George, yeah. How is that possible? I, because they've had. I don't. I don't know how many different coaches is, but like they haven't had a coach for more than like like a year and a half. It feels like ever. Like besides. Besides, like, Luke Walton. Like, he's he was, like, a long-tenured coach for Kings history, which is funny. And also, 
It's not like coaches who the coaches of the Kings are racking up that many wins, unfortunately, either. Yeah, dude, that's sad. dude. Oh my god, I, the, like, well, the only people who have it worse off than New York Knicks fans are Sacramento, are, Kings. Are, are Sacramento Kings fans. Well, I think we should. I feel like we should preface this segment of talking about the Sacramento Kings and Luke Walton by saying that like we're not actually like rooting against Luke Walton, like like I I like of course we support we support the dude like like he's an NBA coach and didn't like do anything like actually wrong it's just like i think the city of sacramento should be in 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 team ownership like this is should be should be celebrating i think this was long overdue not not because luke walton is a is a bad coach because i think he absolutely deserves a job as an assistant but i think as as in terms of a head coach he came in and he changed a system and changed the identity of a team that like was working you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, that's true. Cause you like you have the fastest guy in the league in De'Aaron Fox. Exactly. They had this high paced offense, like most points per hundred, or possessions per hundred rather, um, and he kind of just shifted it up, which you know I don't think is the move. I like I I can understand why because they were turning the ball over a lot when they were playing that fast. So if maybe you slow it down, that means like you, you're more cautious with the ball, especially with a bunch of young players. I don't I don't really know. I yeah yeah. It's, well, it's one of those things. I don't know. I think, I think maybe what they were going for was the Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr or the Kenny Atkinson to Steve Nash kind of mold, where it's like you have the coach that's your that's your guy when you're a young team, um, but then when you're starting to try to like be a real playoff contender, you switch out that coach that was your like developmental guy for the the guy who's going to take you to the next level. Wait, oh my god. Kenny Atkinson is an assistant for the Warriors? Yeah. That explains so much. Is, it, is he for the Warriors now? I, yes. I think he might have been the Clippers or something last year. Dude, why, why, is, he not a, so, why is he not a head coach? He's, like, very I don't know. good. Kenny Atkinson's awesome. He, yeah. Okay. But, but, so that's the thing, is, like, the Kings fired David Yeager and replaced him with Luke Walton, I think, in hopes that, like, Luke Walton was going to take this young team and make them, like, a legit thing out West. But it's, like... First of all, mo- like, like if you're the Kings, like I don't think you. To be honest, the, the things that Kings ownership touches tend to go wrong. Like that, yeah. like first and foremost. So like, I don't <laughs> think that you exactly have the like, the good track record to be making a risky move like that. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it, it is objectively like a risk to be like, hey, Mark Jackson, like all our guys love you. You're the ones who had faith in Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green before anybody else did. But we're going to get rid of you and we're going to bring in yeah. like or, or the Raptors did it with, uh, with Nick nurse. Yeah. With, uh, Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey. Like Dwayne Casey was coach of the year for the Raptors. They fired <laughs> that's, him. That's one of the craziest things. Nick nurse comes in and wins in the championship. So I think that's the mole they were going for is like, we're going to bring in Luke Walton and he's going to be our guy. That's going to take us yeah. to the next step. But it's like, you had a good thing going with David Yeager. Like just, just straight up. And t- I'm cause I'm not even, let me, like, I don't even think that necessarily it's like Luke Walton is, in a, is a, just a good, universally terrible coach it's like it's partially an identity thing it's like you have to recognize that luke walton was looking to slow the team down while like that, your that personnel has, was that meant has to, play to come fast. up in the interview right exactly right like like how is that not like so uh so what's up what, like, what it's, like, it's, like, it's like if you're gonna fire a coach it's like what changes are you gonna come in and make so luke walton's like yeah i'm gonna slow the team down so we turn the ball over less but it's like that's in, that's your that's your best player's identity is like yeah. being being quick, getting out in transition. Like that that should be what the Kings do is get out and run. More questions this raises is like, why didn't you do this during the off season? Yeah, yeah, because firing coach mid season is always dicey because like there aren't there aren't really candidates out there. Ex- exactly, because that's the thing. It's like you have taken yourself out of the race for a lot of the like 
coaches that like there's going to be turnover in coaching in the offseason like Rick Carlisle was was yeah. was fired by the Mavericks this year like or, or agreed to part ways or whatever it was like they're, that would they're like great for them honestly exactly like there are some more professionalism in there there are just like coaches who have like long histories of success in the NBA that you like could have taken a shot on or could have like swung your way but instead you're gonna have to promote somebody with, from within the organization and now the Kings have like Doug Christie and Alvin Gentry who both are like well-respected guys around the league yeah but like you're you've you've significantly decreased your options just by waiting 17 games instead of doing it before the season yeah when I think that from out from the outside looking in it seemed like the obvious decision anyway um last thing uh free Marvin Bagley he's kind of being a baby about it at this point in terms of like he he didn't check into that one game but like he also is you know like right to be upset like he he's just ha- he has the mentality like bro like if you're not gonna play me trade me like he's he's getting he's getting DNPs he's exactly getting coach's decision no not play and and I think I, I I don't I can't remember if I've talked about this in the podcast but like the statement that the that his management made about like you had options for trades this off season chose not to do them if you're gonna choose not to trade him then don't just not play him yeah. right so that's a it's a, it's almost like the same the same thing here where it's like. If you're gonna wait 17 games and fire Luke Walton, or it's like you're gonna let Marvin Bagley come into the season and then not play him, why didn't you just do this stuff in the off season? Like, why did why did it take these 17 games for you to like figure this stuff out? Like that you that you just like that, that Marvin Bagley's just not gonna crack your rotation. Hopefully, whatever coach comes in is more of a fan of Marvin Bagley than Luke Walton is because dude was the second overall pick, is still incredibly talented, like deserves to be in the rotation of a team that, to be frank, is not very good, like is not that talented. Um, Outside of like Davion Mitchell, uh, De'Aaron Fox, and Tyrese Halliburton, like you could use a big man on this roster. Like it, it, Marvin Bagley still makes sense here. Um, give him another shot. Like I don't, I don't, I don't totally see what the like. I don't know. I don't know why the like eye to eye isn't there right now. But hopefully this this helps. Um, the Boston Celtics are seven and three in their last ten. Uh, they're on a three game win streak right now, and this was coming after they were maybe the most disappointing team in the league. Mm-hmm. Like they they were, not only were they losing games, they were losing games in frustrating ways. They were blowing leads. They were looking very lethargic, and then they look like they're turning it around right now. A lot of people are criticizing Jason Tatum for playing, <coughs> for playing worse defense than he's capable of, and for just like not really facilitating at all. Is kind of going ISO. Um, Jalen Brown has also been injured, so weird that that's coinciding with them being good. Um, Honestly, I just good for them. I don't exactly know what flip they've swi- yeah. switched, but I I there's definitely been an uptick in like the energy and just like maybe maybe you know Jason Tatum dropping like thirty a game in the past ten games helps. Yeah, I was gonna and, say uh, he he's had thirty plus in each of their last four games. That's a that's I, like I went back and checked the the box scores. Another thing is they're so, so they're seven three in their last ten or eight and three in their last eleven, and that ties back. After their two and five start, we talked about how Marcus Smart had that interview where he kind of called out Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown for not passing the ball at the end of games, and how that caused some drama. And it's like, my my argument was like, why don't you just go to them with that first? Probably Appar- apparently they had a players only meeting after the interview that was like very emotionally charged, and like Woj reported that day that like maybe not like like he was it wasn't even clear that it was beneficial. I think we covered that on the podcast. Yeah, I don't know if we talked about the players only meeting. We definitely talked about the interview, but 
since so they they were two and five. They blew a nineteen point lead to the Bulls. That was around when we did our episode. Yeah, and then now now they've gone they've gone eight and three since that meeting that Woj at first reported like what he wasn't even sure was going to be beneficial for the team because it was oh, so yeah. emotionally charged. Really interesting that like it's it wasn't even clear that the meeting had been like productive, and now they've gone on this huge win streak. So like whatever was said, even if it like didn't end on great terms, like they've turned this around. So like. The, and I and I have written down like this team is way too talented to be beating themselves with locker room problems. Like yeah, yeah. You have two. You have two of the best young wings in the NBA. Like, like put your head down and win some games. Let's go. I was listening to a funky diabetic who's on YouTube, who's a, a big Celtics fan, mm-hmm. and he was comparing them to that team with Kyrie, uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, and Marcus Smart and Al Horford. Yeah, and. That team also had a lot of off-court stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Marcus Smart, like they had like seven very good NBA players on that team, and they just totally underperformed. They were like the seven seed when people thought they were going to be the two seed because they just didn't really get along off the court. There's a lot of drama, and eventually that team just like fell apart. And they, I, I think they actually finished as like the five or the six, but that mm-hmm. even that was really disappointing. And he said that. A funky diabetic said that this team cannot afford to be like that because they're actually not as talented as that. Yeah. So if they have the same thing, they're going to be the seven or the eight seed or not make the playoffs. Absolutely um, true. Yeah. But you know, good that they've turned it around. I would say that's a good point. Um, it's it's also interesting. Like, it makes sense that they came off. To, they they got off to a bad start, and now we're hopefully turning things around because um, they're playing with first year coach Ime Udoka, who like they hired under strange circumstances because. It wasn't like they wanted to make a change and therefore brought him in. It was that, uh, like like Danny Ainge left, Brad Stevens moved into the front office instead yeah. of the coach instead of the coaching spot, and so you had to bring in a coach to replace a guy that was like considered one of the best coaches in the NBA. So shout out to Imei Udoka because I think he's actually been doing a pretty good job, but it's always strange to have to fill in a coach that's like you that that didn't get pushed out by the organization because they were actually doing it. Fine job. So, so it's like, it's not like there needed to be a change necessarily, other than probably in the locker room stuff, because this, these locker room issues with the Celtics seem to be ongoing, from last year, from even those, that the, the, like I don't know what year that was, probably 2017 team that you mentioned, um, but he's he's brought in this mentality of like we're gonna play really good defense, and the Celtics are fifth in opponent points per 100 possessions, and I forget if they're like. They're like thirteenth or nineteenth. Like they're they're kind of middle of the pack in terms of off, like offense points per one hundred possessions. Um, so for a team that's like actually got some legit scores, like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are both putting up over like almost twenty five or over twenty five. Um, like it's interesting that that they're that they're actually like their strength is their defense right now. So so shout out to him for bringing that that identity, and he seems to be finding his rhythm. Um, in what 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 could be considered like an awkward situation to have to fill Brad Stevens' role, even though he he's like still within the team. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was the coach of the Nigerian national team. I believe. I, I have no I, idea. I, I could be wrong on that, but if so, then I I saw him coach over the summer in Vegas, and they nice. and they beat they beat the U.S. So <laughs> you know maybe they're good. Um, when we were brainstorming teams to talk about in this episode. I wanted to talk about the Timberwolves, and you gave me a little bit of a funny, like, like really? And I was like, yeah, uh, because yeah. they're on a four-game win streak right now. 
Um, I've always been like a like a decoy Timberwolves fan ever since like three years ago. We had a de- debate <laughs> on this podcast, and I would like went to the grave for Carl Anthony that's, Towns. That's an all time great. Dude, that, in our hundredth episode, as we recall, like our best moments. That's <laughs> that is one of them. That is absolutely one of them. Hopefully, we'll we'll like we'll like tag this in the YouTube video or something. If you haven't if you haven't seen that episode, just like go back and watch a few minutes of it. It's it's one of our more viewed videos on YouTube, and it's yeah. basically just us like straight up disagreeing with each other about like Nikola Jokic or Carl Lee Towns, who is better. I think we did like a top ten centers episode. Yeah, yeah. That for was rec- funny. For the record, I said they were tied. Okay. No, not, okay. Not, that, not that. And Mario was like, no, like Jokic is better. <laughs> yeah. And 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 I think that that also like secured my Jokic fandom. Like I talk about yeah, Jokic, my yeah. favorite player right now. Like yeah. Like for whatever reason, that are that like argument on this podcast like set us both on. A crusade for that, for that <laughs> given center. <laughs> Literally, bro. <laughs> um, so, with the Timberwolves, they're they've won their last four. Um, they also are just like in their last ten. I forget. I had that stat, but they're like the most bipolar team in the league. Mm-hmm. In, in in the past few games, they have beat the Grizzlies by forty three, <laughs> and then they beat the Lakers by by forty five. No, by by forty four. Then they also got clapped like by twenty by the Clippers. Who who again like good team, not great team. They got clapped by eighteen by the, you know twenty eight if I can count by the Magic. Um, <laughs> on the spot math is tough. On the spot, dude. On the spot math is so tough, dude. And so like they they can destroy some very solid teams, but yeah. they can also get destroyed by some very solid teams as well. And so I don't Fair really enough. know what to think. I think they have some like really talented guys on this roster that a lot of people. Acknowledge are good, but I feel like it gets slept on a little bit because they play in Minnesota. But just like the like Carl Anthony Towns is like literally just the goat <laughs> in terms of like offensive skill set at the center position. He's just amazing, and he they one they don't give them the ball enough. They literally don't. The fact that Carl Anthony Towns is not far and away the leading shot uh, attempter on this team is kind of blasphemous. But Anthony Edwards is also like making the jump for this team. Um, which, you know, like, I'm not, like, an Anthony Edwards fan or anything, but he's just kind of electric to watch, and he's getting more and more efficient by the day. Um, so for that reason, like, you know, like, I, I just wanted to throw them out there as a team that low-key, and I, I had this in my preseason standings, mm-hmm. I think this team low-key could could make, like, a, not, like, a, a playoff, not, like, a top six or eight seed, but I think they could, I think they could sneak into the play-in. Interesting. It, it, it's for me. It's about the they got they got to get the depth down. Yeah. Um. I you remember last podcast episode I talked about how Cat was like, or was like almost third on the team in field goal attempts. <laughs> He's actually third right now. <laughs> that's, I think that's so Anthony awesome. Edwards is like nineteen point three. D'Angelo Russell sixteen point seven, and Cat is sixteen point three. That's so bad, bro. Carolina so, Towns is third on the team in in field goal attempts. That's not okay. Like, it's not. It's kind of inexplicable. Um, I won't lie. That's that's gonna that's gonna turn itself around. And you you wrote down the jury still is still very much out on head coach Chris Finch. Yeah, I, I like Loki. Don't think he's a good coach. If that might be yeah. I mean like yeah. like you could say Carlton Towns is third on the team in field goal attempts alone, and like that sounds yeah. like yeah he's somebody's not doing a good job. And on also staff. Th- there was that one double OT game that they lost against the Grizzlies, um, in which he just like no, I think they actually won. Because Cat like made this literal like half court buzzer beater to send it to double OT and then they won. Really? Um, 
but the play that oh, happened. <laughs> I was watching this live. I know exactly what you're talking about. Dude, continue, the, continue. The, so the play, the out of bounds play that happened was like maybe the worst out of bounds play I've ever seen in a crunch time Dude. game at high level basketball. Oh my god! I, I, like <laughs> this is literally bringing back a memory. Me and my friends were watching in our dorm room, and I was like screaming at the TV. Like I'm not, I, don't, I wasn't even like rooting for the Timberwolves. <laughs> I was like, "What is happening?" Because that they got. They almost got two five-second violations in a row in overtime, like with like f- with like in like the last fifteen seconds of overtime. Ridiculous because they're in, like somebody's inbounding the ball. D'Angelo Russell is like like they're inbounding the ball. Like they're trying to inbound the ball to D'Angelo Russell, but I think it might have been against the Heat. I don't remember. They double team D'Angelo Russell though. They just stick two guys on him. They're like, okay, if you're just gonna like, okay, we're just gonna we're just gonna double team him. So they have two guys face guarding him, and. Whoever's trying to, I think it was Patrick Beverly inbounding it, is trying to get it to Daniel Russell. <laughs> and they're just, they're double teaming him, and nobody else comes to help. Like, D'Angelo Russell's, like, trying to, like, do his thing and get out of there. They're just face guarding him. They're just, like, they're standing there with his chest on him, just, like, sandwiching him. He can't go anywhere. And nobody comes to help for a full five seconds. And so Patrick Beverly, like, throws it up, gets tipped, and, like, I, I forget if it was a five-second violation or they just got a steal. But that was, like, one of two plays like that. Like, that wasn't even the only one. You think there you would learn. One, there was another one where they, I, they I, if that wasn't the five-second violation, they actually got a five-second violation on another one where, like, he just held the five, he just held the ball. Like, didn't even throw it in. Didn't even make an attempt in five seconds because everything was that well covered. Like, and it, this was not even, this wasn't even just, like, good defense. This was, like, they didn't run a play. Dude, so, yeah, they Go just look up this clip. It. Like, I don't. They it, just stood to. I, I think they were playing the Grizzlies. They just stood. Oh yeah. They just stood in one place, and there was just no. Literally, like I've never seen anything like that. That one play where they double teamed him. Like there were two defenders on D'Angelo Russell, and nobody came to help. Nobody was like, "Hey, you know what? Like, let me just like, like just yeah. pop up, like, yeah, and, lo- and, like give dude, a- lo- low key fire Chris Finch just for that, bro. Okay. Yeah. So so for, so so that yeah, you make a good argument. And then also, I do want to acknowledge though, like, for a team that we talk about, oh, they've got. D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, and Carl Anthony Towns. How are they going to play any defense? They're seventh in defensive rating. Yeah, like that's surprising. I think so. Pat, so the Pat Bev effect, <laughs> maybe. And uh, yeah, fair. I think Jared Vanderbilt. I, I'm blanking on his first name. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jared he, Vanderbilt. He's our fifth starter. He's also like Loki Clamps, which is good. Fair, fair. I mean, Josh Kogi too. Yeah, I was I was gonna say like maybe maybe uh, Chris Finch's specialty isn't the inbounds plays, but like whatever he's, <laughs> whatever he's got their defense doing though, it's it's working. Brutal. <laughs> Um, let's talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers real quick, dude. They were they're on a, they're on a four game losing streak right now. Um, so they were like they were nine and four or something or nine and five, and now they're nine and nine. Um, but I will say like they probably should have lost all four of these games. Mm-hmm. They lost to the Red Hot Celtics. They lost to the Nets twice, and they lost to the Warriors. Yeah, like maybe like the two best teams in the league and one of the hottest teams in the league. And so like I don't really fault them for that. Uh, maybe they had a Maybe the reason they were nine and five is because they had a like a an easier schedule before this, but I just want to say it's like so fun to watch them, and that's like the fact that we're saying that about a LeBronless Cavaliers team is like <laughs> the first time yeah, the that's... first the first time we've been able to say that like since like Mark Price was there or something. I don't know. Like, like it's, who, it's who, just who, okay. you know, the Cavs are really <laughs> exciting. Not a sentence I've said before. Uh, Interesting that Colin Sexton has been out, and even when he's been in, like he isn't really in their crunch time roster. When before the before the season, you would probably have said that he was their best player. Yeah. So Loki, I think he could be on the trade block. 
Um, but also, let's just give like a quick thirty second gush on Evan Mobley. Oh, oh why okay. is he so good? I want to give you your like your 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 praise, your credit. Take it, soak it up. Oh, thank you. You uh, thank you. you you did say I was like I said before the season that Jalen Green was gonna run away with Rookie of the Year, and you were like, hold up, hold up, hold up. You because because I or you you said Evan Mobley first was gonna have like a damn good rookie season. Yeah. He was gonna like blow blow everybody's doors off and i was like jalen green bro like he's just gonna come out and just like drop 20 oh. <laughs> but like no uh, <laughs> like, no evan, evan mobley evan mobley is sick sick oh, thank thank you so, for giving me, giving me my laurels of course dog i mean and, and well, i i i did i was I, w- I did i would like to give myself slight laurels now which is to say that like people Bullshit. were people were questioning whether evan mobley and jared allen was gonna work and i was like yeah, like Evan Mobley is so skilled. He's got touch. He can handle the ball. Like he's mobile, and they're both mobile. so good on defense that like they'll just make it work. Yeah. They're, shockingly, the, beyond the just length. the beyond just the Mobley Allen front court working, they've also <laughs> been running some Lowry Markin at small forward. forward, and I think that's been working. I, I don't know the actual numbers in terms of, like plus. We have to look at the lineup data. Yeah, yeah. but and, and even then, like this early in the season, it's not necessarily consistent. Yeah, but. Like, the fact that it can, they can do that and it's not a complete disaster is insane. Ridiculous. Which is just, like, testament to Evan Mobley. Because people, think... people would assume, like, Lowry's going to get beat by, uh, like, shorter, faster, small forwards. But even if that's the case, then you got then you got twin towers down below who yeah. are each, like, have, like, 7 foot 12 wingspans. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. And, and, and shout out, I mean, shout out to, like, this is one, we'll get to another, another off-season signing that, like, people were making fun of and has worked out tremendously like the the jared allen contract looks great looks yeah, great it looks very um good. and just a quick reminder that like imagine if jared allen if like the nets had somehow, somehow been able to keep jared allen in the like james harden whole, yeah like 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 trade like he's exactly what they what they could he's, what they could he's use, exactly what they could use wow yeah, um, that's true. Like a like a defensive anchor to catch. Like logs. obviously, that's that's like a total. Like I, I don't know how you'd even. Make, it's yeah. not even a hypothetical because it just wouldn't make sense. But yeah. like, <laughs> but like that's just a thing weird to think about. But if the Nets were even better, <laughs> so fun. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's honestly all I have to say about the catch. Yeah. Oh, Ricky Rubio turned into like Michael Jordan for, for like a, a, like one game against Dude, the Knicks. That was so watch, frustrating. Uh, were you watching that game? No, oh. I, saw, I saw. I just saw like Dude, Ricky Rubio hits nine he like threes. Eight, he was like eight for eight for three at one point, and all of them were this stupid like. Like, he would do like a like a shuffle like like to his left like he would just like like jab back. It was like you. I was like it was like I. I was like he did it one possession before and he just like comes down and like I'm like he's gonna do it again and he does it. I'm like oh my god like like R somebody put RJ on this man like give him some help like he was he was tearing us up like I don't even. One of the strangest like moments of my NBA fandom was watching Ricky Rubio just light us up like 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 he was unguardable. I don't know how to describe it other than like lighting us up yeah um so i want to talk about the washington wizards uh as a a kid who goes to college in dc i actually went to a wizards game they played the bucks and they beat the bucks uh the bucks were healthy except they did not have chris middleton so that's the substantial (laughs) healthy except chris middleton no because because you were saying earlier that they like are missing four or five stars they were only missing one starter but that starter was their second best player um and dude i i don't know why i think i like like I didn't zone out. I was really enjoying the game, but it did not click in my head that Chris Middleton was not playing until oh. like 
an embarrassingly long amount of time, like mid-second quarter. I was like, oh, <laughs> their all-star isn't playing. Dude, I, I, swear, I swear something similar. I mean, I was at the Knicks-Lakers game last night, and easy to notice when LeBron doesn't play for the Lakers. Yeah. That, by the way, the one game LeBron has been suspended in his entire career I was at. Tragic. <laughs> the tickets Tragic. you bought. Shout out to Carmelo Anthony. Got a standing ovation from the Knicks fans. That's that was great. cool. Um, but... Russell Westbrook had, like, a 28-point triple-double. And the whole time, I'm, like, hate-watching Russell Westbrook, like, burning holes in his man, like, ah, you sucked. <laughs> Even the Lakers traded for you so they'd be good with that when LeBron doesn't play and you're still bad. The Knicks are beating you. And I look up, and man's 28-point triple-double or whatever. I'm like, bro, like I, like, I didn't even notice... I swear, when you're watching games in the building, you just don't you just don't notice yeah, stuff that's happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like you could be watching it and you're just like, oh, nice dunk. Like you don't notice that. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, um, I don't know if that makes any sense. What I'm trying to say. No, no, I I, I understand what you mean. Um, so just a quick uh, spiel on the Washington Wizards. They're like my new like beta favorite team now. Okay. Um, one thing I noticed is like I always picture like. Like, Bradley Beal always just seems kind of like a quiet guy, and he almost doesn't seem, like, that marketable. Like, I don't think he has his own, like, like personal line of shoes compared to, like, most players his caliber do. He has – I think he's, like, with, with, like, a, like, Chinese brand maybe. Interesting. Interesting. I could be wrong. I could be um, wrong. And, and, like, I don't know why. I just never see him as, like, like a like a face – like, a, like, a, like an image. Even though, like, he's, like, probably as good as someone like a Kyrie Irving or something. Like, Kyrie gets, like, all the publicity – or someone like uh, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum's much more of a name than him. Uh, I feel like a lot of the guys who are his caliber are just, like, more superstars than he is. Um, but in D.C., D.C. loves Beal. Um, yeah. Which I wasn't expecting. Like, oh, yeah, we have Bradley Beal and no one else. And I'm like, that, that's weird that, uh, like, I'm getting that perspective. Like, But, like, people in D.C. really do love Bradley Beal. So I kind of see the whole reason of, like, oh, no, I love D.C. I want to stay here, which is what he's said for the past three years, even though he's been in trade rumors. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You get yeah. the, like the insider look. Yeah. Um. Like his like seeing Bradley Beal like he mega posters on the street is just like a weird thing. Mm-hmm. Uh. And not only does DC love Beal, but I love Beal too because <laughs> in the game that I went to, he dropped like thirty three. When I tell you, it was the most sexy thirty three points I've seen in my life. It was just, he was just like, pulling out crazy <laughs> stuff in the bag. Like he was doing like 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 spin fake crossovers like doing like spin move up and unders he was going so deep into his bag like his midi like it it was crazy um so one i just had to gush about bradley beal for a sec um the reason why the wizards are actually you know good um outside of me just fangirling for bradley beal for for 30 seconds um they're 11 and 6 um they lost their last one they used to be 11 and 5 the big thing for me is is it's twofold it's one uh, the Dinwiddie acquisition went a long way mm. because they have another shot creator who can make shots from pretty much all three levels. And he knows when to take a backseat to Beal, but he knows that if Beal's off the floor, I like there's someone who can just like fully run the offense and who has done it for years. I just wanna I just wanna say uh quickly that like that's maybe the most underrated offseason addition. Like Yeah. Just because he was hurt. Like people just did not talk about the fact that like and, and also, I think I think people just didn't expect it was just to be good, but, like, Spencer Dinwiddie was, like, damn near an all-star, like, yeah, like, like a few years, years ago. ago. Yeah. yeah, like, he's a, he's a really good player. Like, definitely, like, a 20-point per game scorer and, like, good playmaker. And also just big for the one spot. He's like, big. Six he's five. like six, yeah, six, five, six, six. So, for, especially playing next to Bradley Beal, who's, like, a, a small two. He's, like, 6'3". Um, 
that's big. Like, they're just a really good fit together. So, just underrated addition. But, yeah, continue. Um, and, and secondly, their role players are just so much better than they have been for the past, I don't know, five years in Washington. Yeah. Like, they've, I feel like they've always had, like, I think last year or two years, they were, they were starting, like, Isaac Bonga at the three. <laughs> um, and now, you know, they just have a bunch of dudes who can either, one, play hard, a.k.a. Montrez Harrell, uh, Daniel Gafford. Daniel Gafford's a beast, by the way. And, or two can make shots aka Kyle Kuzma he's been good for them KCP he's he's like yeah. one of the best two-way players in the league in terms of role players um and Denny Abdia holy crap I like he, he's a pretty good shooter but his defense That's is gonna, stifling I, I was hoping you're gonna say that which like, people which people did not expect when he was coming in at all via the draft at all and and I'm glad um we'll, we'll, we'll keep talking about Weston Sell Jr. in a second I want to come back to him but I'm glad that they're giving the Weston Sell Jr. is giving Denny Avdia more of a like free reign to like be him rather than just having him sit in the corner a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, um, he's really grown the defensive end, but he, but he also has a little bit more of a green light to like do his thing on offense because part of why he was such an exciting prospect is his playmaking ability and a thing and like his creativity with the ball in his hands, not just like because he's not. He's not an elite shooter yet, you know, so just having him sit in the corner actually is not that useful. Yeah, and honestly, they haven't used Corey Kispert, uh, like, who I think they drafted, like, the 14th pick yeah. that much this year, but I think that, or at least I, I really hope that he can take, like, a bigger role in their offense because the man is a sniper, yeah. and I think they could use that. Um, yeah, like, he hasn't started any games. He's getting, like, 13 minutes a game. He's only averaging, like, three and a half points per game. Yeah. Uh, also, by the way, basketball reference. You gotta stop with the ads, bro. This is this is ridiculous. He hasn't even shot the the, the three ball that well, but I, I really do have faith in him. Mm-hmm. Um, I may be biased because he's one of the most handsome dudes in the league, but, <laughs> but I won't fault you for that. I I went to the game with uh with my friend from Seattle, and he's a huge Zags fan, so he was just fangirling over Corey Kispert the whole funny. game. That's um, funny. I don't blame him. Yeah, I. I Depth is huge in the regular season, and yeah. they have just like a lot of just a high quantity of dudes who are like really solid, and not just like like I said, like overlooked. Like in addition to the to the Spencer Dimwitty signing, like the the Russell Westbrook trade. I think people talked a lot about it for the Lakers, and just assumed for the Wizards it like wouldn't matter. The Wizards are gonna be bad anyway. But like they're a good team, while while Bradley Beal has gone from being the leading scorer in the NBA to being like. 23 points per game like they just have they just have a lot more guys taking and making shots so it's like a much more well-rounded team um than 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 it really has been for the wizards in a long time and um i also wanted to say their their defense and this is where i'm coming back to west Unsell jr their their defense like is only giving up mid-range shots like like next time if you if you go and watch a wizards game like watch they really do like i watched their game against the heat from a, a few days ago um, they really like were forcing the Heat to take like a lot of like like the first like three shots with the Heat were all like bam like floaters. Instead, I was like, why not like go to the, like why not like go to the rim bam like your your big dude. But like they're playing good D, so they they're holding opponents to the lowest effective field goal percentage in the league at forty eight point seven percent. We looked at Steph Curry's effective field goal percentage earlier for reference, and it was like close to sixty. Nicole Jokic is shooting over sixty four percent on effective field goal percentage for the, the season, just like for reference. They're fifth in defensive rating. Um, I know Wes, Uns- like Wes Unseld is probably the best player in, in the Wizards franchise history. So yeah. for his son to now be coming back and coaching is also just like really cool. Um, 
But the Wizards have got a, a, just a good thing going. Like, they're just a really good regular season team this year. And honestly, it feels pretty sustainable. Like, there hasn't even been anything so far that feels like it's been a total anomaly. You could say maybe that effective field goal percentage is them getting lucky. But at the same time, like I said, like they are forcing the opposing teams into bad shots. They're forcing them into long twos and not shots at the rim or from three. And they're doing all of this without Ruby Hachimura, who is their eighth, ninth pick from a yeah. few years ago, and uh, Thomas Bryant, who's their starting center that they just gave this big old extension to. So they still got, I think, even room to grow as they get even more guys back that are just like good players when we're already talking about their depth and their quantity of just like solid dudes i think you may have violated elvin hayes yeah uh, he's the he's the one it's uh, it's it's what's old or elvin hayes yeah yeah i, I would yeah I, I would probably say elvin hayes is the best but what's what's on still won an mvp with with only elvin ro- hayes on the team which is oh really his rookie all, year yeah, rookie his rookie year. year only only rookie to ever win yeah mvp um and I believe second youngest behind D Rose. Um, I don't know that that's always like a like a fun trivia thing. Like yeah. Only rookie. Yeah. Uh, and then I think only rookie to win Finals MVP is Magic Johnson. It, Magic jo- Johnson definitely did it. I don't know if he's the only, but that sounds right. Uh, okay. Yeah, Jerry gotcha. West is the only Finals MVP on a losing team. True. There you go, dude. We're such a nerd, <laughs> dude. Imagine like our utility to society if we just like you use we this brain combined space. brain power for something else. Yeah. Oh. Um, last, <laughs> last, sorry. Whoa. Last team is the Chicago Bulls. Uh, honestly, there isn't that much notable here. I just wanted to point them out that while we've seen some teams regress and some teams progress to where the standings are being shifted, they've held firm. They're at yeah. twelve and six right now. They're near the top of the East. Um, they just look like a very well-oiled machine. They, the defense was very concerning uh, in the preseason, but they've made it work. The offense has been amazing. DeMar DeRozan might literally be having his best season of his career mm-hmm. if you look at the numbers, which is insane. He's he's shooting like the same from mid-range as he always has, but he's like has a very passable three-pointer right now, uh, which might just be like getting out of Pop's cult uh, in San Antonio. Uh, and so they, they the the Chicago Bulls might very well have two starters in the All Star game. Yeah, which is insane. It's crazy. Yeah. And and I mentioned earlier with the Jared Allen thing that I was going to come back to a contract that everybody talked about as being bad before the season and has been really good. That was Demar Derozan, and that was this was my thing coming into the season is like I, I was I was saying like about Evan Fournier about about all these contracts like don't overreact and just be like instantly like they're they're bad contracts because it's like. This is just the amount of money you have to pay players in today's NBA. Like, it looks like a lot, but, like, just remember, like, the salary cap is going up. Like, yeah. it's not like, like... It's it, inflation, bro. It, it's inflation. It's simple economics. It's you can't the, just keep printing money. <laughs> okay. It's, they're not as bad as they, as, they, as they look. And also, like, all these guys are good players and, like, change the scenery and stuff. Like, they've all worked out. But, like... Everybody freaking out at like a twenty million dollar a year contract, or in the Mark Rose case, like close to like forty million a year, whatever it is, like or Kyle Lowry, like like all these contracts people were like really worried about. It's like take a chill pill, bro. Like it's gonna like these these are professional guy. Like I think I think everybody's paranoid still from like that. Was it twenty sixteen or twenty fifteen when like the Timothy Mozgov and Lou oh, Dang yeah. and like Alan Awful. Crabtree, like yeah. there was there was just a bunch of bad signings one summer. Um, and it was right when the cap went up, so teams like thought they had like hella money to spend, and then regretted like all of them. That was not this summer, so like, yeah. And also, the, all those guys were like 
fringe rotation guys that other teams were like hoping would come in and be starters. Like, so maybe you could say that was like Alex Caruso for the for the Bulls, but yeah. like he would be the closest one that you would be. Like, and they only gave him ten million dollars on like, like yeah, that's that's a, that's a that's a damn good contract. Honestly, that Lonzo Ball contract, uh, five years, eighty million. One good contract. Two might be getting a little little pricier given that like. Have you seen that the NBA is having like a full-on tampering investigation with how they, with how the Bulls went yeah. about signing Lonzo? So it's like potentially a ten million dollar fine uh, for that and for uh, how the Heat got Kyle Lowry. So that could be a little more expensive. Quick twenty-second anecdote. Yeah. Um, again, the kid who I went to the the game with from from Washington, he's a huge Alan Crab fan. <laughs> I said Alan Crabtree. It's yeah. Alan just Alan Crab, yes. right? Yeah, bro. Alan, he he. They didn't sell Alan Crab jerseys, so he ordered a custom Alan Crab jersey. <laughs> on what team? On, I think on the Blazers. Or, wow. No, no, no. I think on the Nets. Actually, yeah, I remember him on the Nets because that's where he's on the big contract. Yeah, it was so bad. But like, dude, who's oh. out here being an Alan? He's like, yeah, I'm actually really big Alan Crab. Where did they come from, dude? I don't know. I don't know. He get my man Alan Crab back in the league, regardless. Dude, yeah, I I guess, yeah. <laughs> but, okay. Is he's probably he's probably still making money off that contract, realistically. <laughs> probably bought him out for the next hundred years. Mid-set. Yeah. Dude, okay, that this reminds me. That going like the Luke Walton thing. Apparently they didn't want to fire him because they're still paying more than one coach. No. <laughs> so they didn't they didn't want originally they didn't want to fire him because they were gonna be paying like three coaches at once. That's so bad. Ah, that's not the reason not to fire somebody, but also that's brutal. Yeah, that's that's fair. Go back to the Bulls for one last thing. Everybody's been surprised by their defense. And now I'm about to, I'm about to just go on a tangent that's all I test. I got no stats to back up what okay. I'm about to say. But so just like do it. Do it. Agree or disagree. For whatever reason, I feel like the Bulls just put hella pressure on you on so defense. So true, bro. So true. Thanks, thanks, dog. Nice eyes. <laughs> Good eye test. I feel like when you come down the court, like they just are forcing you to play at their pace. Because they like to get out and run. So after every defensive rebound, after every turnover, after every like whatever they're just like outrunning their their zach levine's coming down to windmilling on your face like like instantly like split second lonzo balls throwing full court passes uh alex caruso's running the caruso like they're just they're just a lot going on and they're just like fast and they're exciting yeah. and like the the uc is booming as like as soon as you as, as soon as you slip up when you're on offense and they're on defense so i think it's just like there's like just like pressure that builds where you're like Oh God, like we can't miss, we can't turn the ball over. And they're just like is actually helping their defense. Like because they play so fast, because they're so good in transition, teams like are playing scared on offense because uh, um against the Chicago Bulls. And so I'm not even sure that it's like their defense itself is so stifling, so much as like you know they're gonna like get out and run and make you play at their pace, and therefore like teams are like on edge on their heels when they're on off. I totally theoretical. <laughs> but the Chicago Bulls like are just fun in transition. They get out and run, and their defense is, like, getting stops. So, like, shout out to them for that. Yeah. Because this is, this is not a team that I think anybody expected to be good on defense. We knew the offense yeah. was going to be solid, but their but their defense has been stellar. Yeah. Shout out to them. Uh, all right, that's going to do it. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode, this 100th official episode yeah. of Space Floor NBA Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, like and subscribe on YouTube, and we're also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you so much. My name is Connor Gillen. And I'm Connor Flannery. And see you next time. Peace. Shout out to Staples Center and not to Crypto.com Arena. Shout out to Alan Crabb getting his bag. Facts. <laughs>